0: Series today, we're looking at fruits of the spirit, and today we're starting off with. Well, can anyone remember what the first one is? Love. Love. You sure? <laughs> no, we are. Um, if you are not a listening person, if you're a bucky person, um, I've got two recommendations for you. Um, I would recommend this one, "Promise a Paradox" by Palmer. Um, it's quite a thinky book. If you're not into a thinky book sort of mood, but you're a reedy person. This book is also quite good. It's called Face Down. Um, it's by Matt Redmond. Um, I think we might have sang one of his songs this morning. Maybe. Maybe not. He's quite a popular worship leader. Um, but anyway, we are going to be going to be looking at at love um, as a fruit of the Spirit and we're going to be packing, well we're going to be digging into that by looking at Galatians. So if you've got a Bible with you, you could open your Bible at Galatians 5. <laughs> If you don't have your Bible with you, it will appear on the screen. So we're going to read a, a, quite a big chunk of Scripture, and then we're going, to, we're going to go into a specific few bits. But yeah, Galatians 5, we're going to go from 13 to 26, and it says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather... Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step for the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying of each other. It's quite a bit to get through before you get to the Fruits of Spirit, isn't it? Has anyone ticked any of those off? Do you want to put your hand? No, let's not do that. Um, So I've got the privilege of kicking us off on this new series, um, Fruits of Spirit, focusing in on love. Um, But I thought we'd do a. A little bit of a background before we focus specifically on, on love as one of the fruits of the spirit. So Paul's main passage, or main focus throughout this passion in Galatians can really, well can be summarized quite simply in that we are made free in Christ. We are made free in Christ. In Christ is our salvation. We are redeemed solely by saying that Jesus is. Is Lord. That's the main thing. Like, put that in a box. Quite a big box, but put that in a box. Hold on to that. We are made free in Christ. That's what Paul is saying in his first bit. But he goes on um, to talk about it, and I'm going to try and unpack this because it seems a little bit paradoxical because he says, You are made free in Christ. Your freedom is in Christ, but we have to constantly and consistently. Fight the temptation of our old selves. Fight the pressures and temptations of the world. The things of our very humanness that try, are trying to draw us away from God's goodness. And then there's another level, and he goes, But don't worry, there's a Holy Spirit. So it is all a little bit complicated. Um, if, you are, if you have got your Bible open, I'd, I'd ask you to specifically look at Galatians 13 to 15, Um, or if you're like a noty person, maybe highlight that bit. When when Paul's speaking about this freedom that we've got in Christ, the desire to be sort of taken back to our own world or our own way of living, sorry, um, but the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he makes it quite clear to not make the assumption that because we've accepted Jesus, our our mission, as it were, was done, that we can just tick it off and crack on. He tells us that there there are things that will draw us back. If you were to sort of um, listify it, as it were, I like lists. This is a little list. Accepting Jesus as Lord makes us free. Sin will always tempt us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. And as we grow, the fruits of the Spirit will become visible Our salvation is achieved on the very top line of that. The rest of it is discipleship. Happy? That took me too long to work out this this week as I was digging it through. These books did really help, but it was... Yeah, anyway, so we're... Oh, yeah, this is another thing I'd like to think about in the back of your mind. Should our, should our intention be incarnation? So if we're happy with that sort of development of our, our discipleship, our life with Jesus, how, how our theology works, a question that I'd like to pop into your brain as we think about love as one of the fruits of the Spirit is this. Should our intention be incarnation? As we think about... Jane and Brian are staring at me because they know where I've stolen this from. Um, but... Um, As we think about how we are shaped and transformed by the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, should that be our focus? Anyway, love. There is a reason why I am speaking today, and it is because I am the expert. (laughs) It's not. Um, and, And that's... That's part of the problem. When we go into these fruits of the Spirit, this is our biggest barrier. These are holy, spiritual things. But we are very human people. And I say we... I. I am a very human person. You might all be better than me. You probably are. But when, when I think of fruits of the Spirit, I'm very aware that as I read through these lists of things that become evident in our lives as we accept Jesus, as we grow and as we develop as Christians, the you know, love, joy, peace, forbearance, because we all know what that means, um, it's all shaped by our own experience. It's like Sometimes we call it our lens, don't we? So the world in which we have seen, the world in which we understand. And when it comes to love, most of us probably don't have a great lens for love. You might be incredibly fortunate, but I think all of us, in some point in our life, will have been told something is love when it quite clearly wasn't love. We've, been, we've experienced love that wasn't really love, but we just called it that. Or we get very intellectual and we dig out our Greek and we come up with meanings and uh, descriptives and we get these three that are often banded around as the biblical examples of love. And if you read your Bible in Greek, well done, And um, these are the three main ones that will come up. So you've got eros, which refers to physical or sexual love, so that's usually one with a life partner. You've got phileos, which would means a warm welcome or affectional fellowship, hopefully, You've experienced that here. And then there's agape, which is a sacrificial, unconditional, and it's often only used in relation to the love of God for mankind throughout the Bible. And these are good descriptions, and I'm not going to knock them. But the problem is, as I have just done, we will then relate them back to our own experiences. And when we think about fruits of Spirit, and when we think about the intention of them... They are not necessarily what we've experienced because they are spiritual and we are human. And it's that trying to push through. What this is talking about in Galatians 5, what Paul is talking about, the love that Paul is talking about in this, is the agape love, God's love for us. A love that we have probably experienced least, but we are desperate to experience more of, aren't we? Hopefully. It's that transforming love, the love that knows no cost. And we spend the rest of our life trying to replicate it, trying to experience it, trying to reproduce it, trying to understand what it is. So I've got another confusing summary for you, okay? We are free in Christ, but sin will always tempt us back. We will show love that we can't humanly experience. And the Holy Spirit guides us. I don't know why I've got that slide. I do know why I've got that slide. Um, This is another key verse. If you're a noty person, do note down verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It doesn't mean that we can take this verse in isolation, because we should never do that. And I don't think we ever preach that here. And it doesn't mean that it's a be or an end-all, but if we are to, to fully understand what Paul is getting out in his letter to Galatians, when he's talking about love being one of the fruits of the Spirit, this is, this is it. This is your, your little golden nugget. We will do it because we are guided by the Holy Spirit. It isn't something that we can manufacture within ourselves, unfortunately. And I know a lot of us, and I have, will try and manufacture um, Fruits of the Spirit. These are things that are given to us through God. They are not things to work towards, but they're things to desire. I've read too much about paradoxes this week, I'm sorry. Um, but should our intention be incarnation? One of the things that um, I'm involved with, as are Jane and Bryant, which is why they're staring at me, um, is is... a thing that happens in Stroud called the Festival of Wonder. We've got a lovely new logo. Um, And um, some of you might be familiar with this, some of you might not be. It takes up a good chunk of time, energy, prayer, and um, anything else that's humanly possible. But the churches in Stroud used to do a thing called Family Fun Day. It happened in Stratford Park, and it was a day of affordable fun. It was a day of worship. Jesus was spoken about, and it gathered lots of people in the park, and there were different activities. There was fantastic food. We had artists, um, musicians, and stuff like that. And just before COVID happened, but COVID might have been part of God's plan for the festival, uh, a question was asked, um, and I've got to be careful because a lot of us did put a lot of energy into the last one, And this isn't a criticism, but the question that was asked by the team that were coordinating this was, are we just gathering people who are already familiar with church? And that's always a reasonable question to ask when you're doing a festival that mainly attracts Christians. Are we just moving people from one place to another place? And when that question was asked, I was invited to come onto the team, um, not because I'm particularly brilliant, um, but just because... They thought I might help. And we, we unpacked that and we started thinking about, well, what would it mean if we were looking for the opposite? So if we aren't just trying to gather people who are already familiar with church, if we were trying to gather people who had no familiarity with church or a very sort of distant familiarity with God or no familiarity with God, what would that sort of festival look like? And we, we worked together and we did something and we did last year's festival, which... Well, no one died. Someone nearly died. No one did die. Um, We didn't go bankrupt, um, and there was there was a good number um, of people that sort of engaged with the festival. I think there was about two thousand people came through the doors of the church, and they saw they saw a circus show solely about the story of Elijah. That's a pretty good tick, isn't it? Maybe there was a there was a prayer space that was amazing, where people were able to dwell and and look at the beauty of creation purely from a Christian perspective, which was good. Uh, there was a wall um, where people could interact as an art piece and think about the wonder of God in their world and their experience. That was good. There was, there was folk music that spoke about God, which was good. And there was spoken word that spoke about God, which was good. And it was all sort of... Well, you might be thinking, well, that all, you've just said all of that was good, but what does that have to do with fruits of the Spirit? What does that have to do with love. And it comes back to this question, should our intention be incarnation? If you flick back, uh, or if, if you were very diligent whilst you were reading Galatians 5, you will have noticed that one of the, the bits that Paul just casually drops in there is a callback to one of our most um, well-known parables. Can anyone? Did anyone get it? It's a good Samaritan. There's a lot of people whispering, no one wants to be bold. It's a good Samaritan. And in that story, we learn how the character of an individual is so much more significant than their title. The, the, the being of a person is greater than the setting, than, the, than anything. It's all about intention. Now, this theology of the bit that I'm about to say, not what I've just said, and I'll, I'll let you know when I'm, I've stopped being dodgy, isn't necessarily sound, okay? And this idea isn't original, but for most people, you are the closest thing to Jesus that they will experience. Scary. Which is scary. It's quite scary. But that is what we learn about in the story of the Good Samaritan. The character of God was shown through somebody who was not God. God will work through you. And we are all broken. I am broken. We have all sinned. I have sinned. God will use us. God can use us. God promises to use us. So when Paul is talking about love and the fruits of the Spirit, in verse 14, and he says... That the entire law is fulfilled in, this, in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're not talking about dogma. We're talking about discipleship. It's about how our faith, our, our love for Jesus, our pursuit of the Holy Spirit, uh, our life that we know is made free, but the rest of it that we spend chasing after God. It's the marks of that this approach do we need that yet? No we don't. Um, this approach isn't limited to to like the Festival of Wonder, a three day event. It isn't limited to our time in church and our worship. It's for our lives. So it's your this is the scary bit. It's for the, the conversations that we have with our neighbours when we find out they've filled power our dustbin rather than their dustbin. I'm trying to think of trivial examples. Um, it's, it's how we talk to our colleagues at work. It's how we drive our cars. It's how we talk to people when we're sad, angry, and upset. It's how we celebrate and how we show love to people. The fruits of the Spirit are the marks of discipleship on our life. And that's what we're chasing after, isn't it? Hopefully. It's what we were singing about chasing after. So, another confusing summary. We're free in Christ but sin will always tempt us back. We will show love that we can't humanly experience. We rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us. We will see fruit. I'm not here um, this morning telling you stories or picking up examples to make anyone feel bad, because these aren't things that we achieve on our own. These are things that are promised. If you go back home and you read Galatians 5 on your own and really pick through what Paul's saying, he isn't saying at any point you sort of reach a certain level and boom. They're all there. He, he speaks quite clearly about how it is a pursuit of the Holy Spirit, how we are made free in Christ. So we accept Jesus as Lord in our life. We, we understand the person of Christ. And at that point, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're, we're saved. Whatever word you want to call it, because we all like difficult churchy words, you are a Christian at that point. And that's perfect. And you are perfect at that point. But you will have experienced something of God hopefully, and that will lead you to chase after him, to chase after God's presence, to chase after more of God more often. And that's the desire in our hearts. But the thing that transforms us is the Holy Spirit. And the sign or the things that we then see because of that are these fruits. And I think they're called gifts because they're not achievable naturally. They are entirely spiritual. So I'm going to wrap up now. So so where where does that leave us? You might be thinking, where does that leave us? What on earth have you been rambling on about? Um, What is this good fruit? Because that's the name of our series, fruit that is good. Because bananas are of the devil. Um, But... (laughs) Fruit that is good. Uh, thinking of love as a fruit of the Spirit. How, what, what has this got to do with it, and, and where do we see it? So I believe that it's through a lifestyle of worship, and that doesn't just mean singing. It's well, This book talks about it better than I can, so do read it if you are a reading person. But it's about our intention to life. Where do we put God? If you to think of it quite literally, are we putting God... Above everything that we do, and it doesn 't mean like when you put your socks on, are you praying about it, but it means about we're talking about our decisions and our intention and our focus. are we trying to better ourselves or are we trying to worship god and that that goes through everything that we do you know if you 're overtaking somebody on the motorway you 're trying to better yourself you 're trying to worship God when you 're sending that email to a difficult colleague you 're trying to better yourself you 're trying to worship God. The other bit, and I think the the main focus of today has obviously been love, and that's a difficult one, and I've spoken about lenses and how we can be inherently flawed in our understanding of that. John 1, 3 says this about love, and I think it encapsulates the love that we're thinking about this morning quite perfectly. It says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you that there is no... no, no barrier to your love other than our acceptance. There's nothing that we have to pay for our salvation other than to say that you are Lord. And we thank you for the promise of these gifts that as we seek you, as we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, as we say yes to you in our lives, that we will see wonderful things happen to our life, to our character and to those around us. And I pray this morning that we would desire these things, that we would chase after you, that we would seek your Holy Spirit, would be open to its transforming power in our life, and that we would learn to love you well. Amen.